Hey everybody, Kyle Warren here. Thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast. We're going to check out a couple of key segments from our most recent program. And don't forget, you can hear us live every Monday through Friday, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. on AM860, The Answer in Tampa, Florida. Also, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. on Saturday mornings. Once again, on AM860. Head over to kylewarrenshow.com for more information and to send me a direct message. Thanks for listening. As of this hour, we know of 34 U.S. service members injured, three service members killed in the Iran-backed attack on our own troops. Folks, this is as real as it gets. And we're going to talk about it here this morning, of course, because what a terrible, terrible thing has happened. And as we go live here on this Monday morning edition, we're certainly going to bring you up to date and everything that we know so far. And then we're also going to take a look at what some of the responses may be and what may happen here maybe very quickly over the next 48 to 72 hours or so uh, as um, as we watch uh, what the Biden administration may do and what some of their options are. Folks, welcome to the program, though. It is the Monday edition. Kyle Warren with you. Glad to be with you. A great pleasure to be with you. We hope that you had a great weekend, of course, and uh, we're looking forward to a, a great week of broadcasting here on the program. But certainly this is a very, very serious issue that's happening. Uh, typically, we might start off with something about the border, which, of course, also uh, is uh, very, very much in the news, especially with the standoff uh, between Texas and the federal government. And we will unpack we will unpack some of that on the program uh, this morning as well. Uh, but we're going to start off, of course, with what's happening uh, with our troops. But uh, before we do that, don't forget, folks, the telephone number, if you'd like to opine on the program this morning, 949-822-7959. That's 949-822-7959. You can also head over to kylewarrenshow.com. That's my home website if you would like to send us a direct message uh, this morning as well. And I know that there's going to be a lot to talk about about regarding what happened in Jordan, and uh, certainly we want to start right off with that this morning. Uh, this from Fox News, Iran-backed militia, uh, 30, uh, again, injured some 34 U.S. service members. We understand eight have been evacuated from Jordan. Some of these uh, injuries include a traumatic brain injury. Uh, the list had been growing over the, uh, over the day, uh, and again, very, very grisly uh, numbers here, uh, but also, of course, you have the the fatalities as well. And as the Fox News reports at this hour, the number of injured continues to climb after Iran-backed militias killed three U.S. service members, injured dozens more in an overnight attack on a military base in northeast Jordan. By late Sunday, the number of injured had climbed to 34 service members, as we were just mentioning, and this included eight personnel that had uh, been evacuated from Jordan because they needed higher-level care. Fox News, News is told all service members are being fully evacuated for follow-on care. Uh, the number of injured was expected uh, to fluctuate. The injuries mostly include, as I mentioned, traumatic brain injury, though the number of cases will likely go up as symptoms can take time to develop. Now, where is this base and what is it called? Well, we understand that this is called Tower 22. And according to Reuters, uh, Tower 22 uh, has a very strategically important location in Jordan, it's at the northeast, most northeastern part um, where the country borders uh, meet uh, Syria and Iraq. And, of course, as you know, many of our own service members, of course, have come under attack. Over 159, last I heard, uh, in uh, Syria uh, and in the, in the region in general. And um, 
I heard it uh, described earlier today that there's no reason to think there won't be another 159 attacks uh, that go on. Uh, but of course, this happened in Jordan, but there at that uh, at that point where it does border uh, Syria uh, and Iraq. Now, uh, again, according to the reports, little known is publicly known rather about this base, but it includes logistics support. And there are about 350 U.S. Army and Air Force troops there at the base. Tower 22 is near Al-Taf Garrison, which is located across the border in Syria and which houses a small number of U.S. troops. Tanf had been key in the fight against the Islamic State and has assured uh, and has assumed rather a role as part of a U.S. strategy to contain Iran's military buildup in eastern Syria. Tower 22 is located close enough to U.S. troops at Tanf that it could potentially help support them while also potentially countering Iran-backed militants in the area and allowing troops to keep an eye on remnants of the Islamic State in the region. So one of the most important aspects, though, of this right now, following this attack is what happens next. Now, you have senators already calling uh, to bomb Iran proper. Uh, You have, of course, from the Pentagon and Central Command, they are going to have uh, already uh, in place plans to go in and take out various target packages. And I think that this is a very different, at least it feels much different uh, than, say, going after the Houthis. And we've we've had some uh, fun here on the program talking about uh, the lack of of uh, of, uh, of response against the Houthis. And I think, again, that's because it's restrained from the administration, not from the military, uh, who have given the order to stop the Houthis in their tracks, no doubt could do that in very short order. But what we're seeing here, though, of course, uh, is um, a very significant uh, escalation uh, of the attacks on U.S. troops. And the response that will come from this uh, certainly has to be a major response. I think there's no doubt about that. It must be major. Uh, It also has to send a very direct and fast message. And I think this is where uh, the time is of the essence kicks in here. And as, that's why I was saying they have target packages. They have plans that are, that are constantly in, in motion and in review for things of this nature. And so what the Biden administration has to do now, in all seriousness, the Biden administration has to be able to respond, respond quickly and cause enough pain uh, in order to, again, send that very, very important message. And when we come back from the break, everybody, we'll talk more about this. We'll have some more information about it. But first and foremost, though, of course, our condolences to those who lost their lives, to their to their loved ones, to their families. And we, of course, will keep in our prayers all those service members who were injured in this attack. These, This is no small matter. And, of course, again, we will keep them in our prayers. Folks, we will come right back here on the program. Kyle Warren with you, Monday edition. Stay right there. Senator Tom Cotton is um, saying on Sunday, basically, that uh, the United States uh, basically left uh, our troops, uh, actually President Biden in particular, he's talking about, the uh, he left our troops as sitting ducks, he said, uh, said Republican Senator Tom Cotton, uh, this from Reuters. Uh, the only answer to these attacks must be devastating military reaction against Iran's terrorist forces, both in Iran and across the Middle East, unquote. 
Folks, welcome back to the program. Of course, Kyle Warren with you. Glad to be with you here on this Monday edition of the program. And I really do wish it was under a different circumstances this morning, of course. Uh, but we are talking about uh, this attack, uh, this drone attack uh, that happened in Jordan against our service members. 34, at least we know, uh, that have been injured. Eight have been evacuated so far, we understand. And of course, three fatalities. One of the things that I think we need to point out is that, again, this is an attack, certainly an act of war, uh, but an attack upon service, uh, U.S. service personnel in, in their barracks, basically, in a base. Uh, this was not in some way, shape, or form uh, in, a, in a war footing or a war uh, uh, action, uh, you know, where they're meeting on the battlefield or, or engaging the enemy in some way. Uh, this is bombing people in their barracks. And you, we, we recall back in the early 1980s in Lebanon uh, with the Marine barracks bombing uh, that killed over 200, if I recall correctly, Marines uh, at that time. Uh, that was back during the Reagan years, of course. Um, but terrorism nonetheless, but also, of course, uh, all-out uh, act of war, in, in my opinion. Yes, it's more terrorism than than war, but at this point, do you think the Iranian mullahs um, have any kind of difference uh, in their minds about this kind of thing? So I think that, um, you know, I don't want to... I don't want to get into a semantical uh, uh, difference on this because what's happening and also as a result of this, you know, I think it depends on who you talk to or who you whose opinion you get on this. But the idea and by the way, in hour number three, we'll be talking with Denise Simon this morning. And uh, she and I have been talking about basically a de facto state of war uh, that has been existing uh, for some time now, and certainly since October 7th, uh, even just to put it in the most recent of times, uh, but because uh, we're hitting the Houthis, the Houthis are hitting us uh, or hitting our ships or trying to hit the U.S. Navy, hitting ships that are U.S. owned or that are under the protection of the United States Navy. So basically, doesn't that sound like being at war to you? I mean, and I'm not trying to be flip. Uh, because, again, this is exactly the mentality that exists, I believe, within the mullahs, uh, within the Iran terrorist groups. The media will call them militias, but they are, in fact, terrorist groups. And uh, so I think that uh, there is a, a, more, a, a de facto state of war. And I'm not trying to split hairs here. I'm not trying to, uh, to soften it in that, re in that regard, only insofar as that um, the, this is uh, not uh, resembling what we typically would think of uh, as a war, uh, but it is a war nonetheless. And certainly, and by the way, before we get into some of these other notions of response, like Senator Tom Cotton was talking about, because I think it's important, especially what he said was incredibly important because it does it does bear so much on what should happen or what will happen in the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours, basically. Um, that is the time period, really, that I think the Biden administration needs to be able to act on this. They could act in the next five minutes, uh, obviously. But but again, the idea is that they have to... The Biden administration has, has so many political um, factors that are driving it. And I really do think that it talk about total discombobulation right now at the White House, I think would be an understatement. They are afraid of their own shadow on, a, on many of these things having to do with Israel, the operation in Gaza, and certainly even going after the Houthis because of how they feel that is going to play in terms of the electoral consequences or the just the the campaign consequences that they'll have. You'll notice the president is being interrupted much more nowadays uh, with hecklers and so forth. This is beginning to be a big uh, wear on them. It's because uh, where the so-called um, you know Arab community vote may be, or the Middle Eastern community vote, and the perception thereof. So this has um, turned up the heat, and it has made things entirely more difficult 
for the Biden White House to respond, I think. What I think they should do is is obviously is obviously to uh, to respond. Um, but again, what I was before we talk about that in in particular, there are other things that can be done too, uh, in in concert with. I'm not saying in place of, but I'm saying in concert with. You may recall the Stutz, Stuxnet virus uh, that helped to turn back uh, their nuclear program and so forth. Well, something along those lines. Um, where you're able to just absolutely mess with and and try to um, here's this word again discombobulate entirely uh, their ability uh, for logistical support or things like that. In other words, you know, just a full frontal assault basically on Iran. Now let's get back to what Senator Tom Cotton was saying. Senator Tom Cotton says the only answer to these attacks must be devastating military retaliation against Iran's terrorist forces. Absolutely. Then he says this, both in Iran and across the Middle East, unquote. And where I don't fundamentally disagree with what Senator Cotton is talking about, he raises this specter. This specter would be whether or not you go into Iran proper and you begin hitting them and, you know, in other words, for lack of a better term, mainland Iran targets, basically. Uh, and you go in there and you start getting oil wells or you start doing other kinds of stuff like that. And is that the way to go? Or do you um, begin to devastate the ability of, of these forces that actually attacked Tower 22, basically? Uh, do you start there and work your way out? Uh, and kind of see where that where that goes again over the next uh, several days. I'm not talking well into the future. I'm talking just in the in the first in the first several days here, because obviously it would become escalatory. And whereas I'm not afraid of that uh, in the in the grand sense, uh, but it does sort of kick in other aspects to this too, because you'd have to then go. Um, I, you know, the president can act right now, I think under the war powers act, uh, to, uh, to respond and so forth. But at some point he's going to have to go to Congress and that, and going into Iran proper, I think makes going to Congress in the very, very near term, a much bigger, um, bigger responsibility to do. And uh, but again, now I think I think he would have start to get some support across the board for this kind of thing. And it pains me to say that we would have to come to something like this. But I'm telling you, the the trying to hit the United States like this, um, our forces with impunity is also the exact wrong message to send. And I heard it described like this earlier, and I, I, I did think that it made a lot of sense. And obviously, we don't want our troops to be sitting ducks. That's something else Senator Cotton was talking about. Uh, we don't want our troops to be sitting ducks. And at the same time, though, we also provide all kinds of assistance uh, to Jordan. That is, that is for sure. Um, and at the same time, we're also trying to make sure that we don't um, allow these forces uh, to be able to really gain the kinds of footholds that they want to do uh, or that they want to have uh, in the region. But there's also something else. And we're just going to head out to the break here in just a few moments. But when we come back, we'll, I'll focus a little bit more on this as well. But the idea that once we start hitting Iran, which I do think is starting to become more in the offing um, as a result of something like this, and we will see, obviously. Um, but if that were to be the case, then I think that we have bad actors in this country and in Europe and, and within our interests and our allies and their interests that we would have to be, We I would hate to say, and this isn't the deterrent, I think, that Iran believes that it is, but uh, we would have to be prepared uh, to uh, tighten down security even greater here uh, because they would look to do other kinds of asymmetrical attacks, terrorist attacks in this country and so forth. But this cannot go unanswered. There's, there's no doubt about that. And that's what presidents have to deal with. Whether they're Republican or Democrat, this shouldn't be a political thing. We're talking about our service people. Stay right there. We are coming right back, folks. Kyle Warren with you. 
All right, Monday edition, folks, continues on. Kyle Warren with you. Glad to be with you this morning, of course. Don't forget, our telephone number is 949-822-7959. That number again, 949-822-7959. Operators are standing by. And, uh, you know, folks, again, you know, we're getting off to a start here this morning, uh, talking about a very serious thing, obviously, with what's happening, with what has happened in Jordan and the aftermath of this. And uh, we'll spend a little bit more time on it here. And then, of course, we want to tell you about some of the other uh, political news and other things happening today. Uh, But this is a big deal because obviously what the president does next as commander in chief is going to perhaps uh, begin to show us a little bit of a of a roadmap of what the future might look like. So we're definitely going to be monitoring this and watching this very closely. I do want to say this, though. OK, we do have a couple of other quotes uh, to tell you about uh, in this. And uh, of course, you know, you've got uh, we just we heard from Senator Tom Cotton, of course, um, about this. Uh, but others are talking about the idea of hitting these uh, these uh, uh, these uh, these uh, targets inside Iran proper, um, and uh, I think there's. Um, I want to say Lindsey Graham. I'm. I'm. I should recall uh, seeing his quote uh, earlier about that. Um, but basically, uh, you've got again this notion of do you go into Iran uh, not only as to try to take out uh, capabilities, but also as a deterrence against uh, future aggression. Uh, and I believe, yes, that was uh, Lindsey Graham uh, to uh, to strike uh, inside Iran as deterrence against future aggression. Uh, but here, here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Others, of course, are also uh, warning against that. And I, I do think but in my opinion, I think this is where it's probably going to go. Um, I think that they're not going to start hitting inside Iran in terms of bombing uh, Iran proper at this point. But I do think the president will likely order uh, some pretty significant strikes against um, those that actually launch this uh, this drone and uh, and begin with that. Um, I, I think that, in my opinion, I think that's where they will go with this. But it brings up this question about deterrence overall. It brings up this question about this this sort of appeasement strategy with Iran. I mean, my goodness gracious me, you know, previous administration, previous administration had sent the pallets of cash over there and and so forth. Uh, It seems like we're constantly trying to handle Iran with kid gloves, whereas Iran is never really going to try to uh, uh, join the community of nations. They don't want to. In fact, early uh, earlier um, in last week or late last week, I should say. We had a story about the idea that Iran's getting ready to pick a new uh, supreme leader because the Ayatollah is is 85 years old and is ailing and so forth. And they've even decided that they've eliminated certain candidates. I don't mean eliminated, eliminated. I mean some disqualified. And that's the term I'm looking for. Uh, some candidates to be able to even be considered. I, and I thought to myself, well, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? I mean, that's hitting a little too close to home. But all kidding aside... You know, Iran continues to believe that because the Biden administration is handling it the way that it is, then they feel empowered. They certainly felt empowered enough to uh, to fund uh, Hamas and train them and get them ready for the October 7th attacks. Uh, they certainly felt empowered enough uh, to uh, to hit uh, our troops uh, in their barracks, basically. And so, again, what's going to happen next uh, I think I think will be a more or less limited uh, strikes, uh, and um, and and see where that goes basically. Um, and of course, it doesn't mean it couldn't escalate. But I just don't know that the Biden administration will begin to bomb Iran proper at this point. And of course, there are all these kinds of considerations. There's there's no doubt about that. You know, the U.S. is not warlike. You know, contrary to what a lot of detractors might say and uh even people that uh, that try that opine about these kinds of things uh, you know sending messages or posting things and so forth um i don't think the u.s is necessarily warlike uh but certainly 
when the war comes to us and to our allies and to the free world, um, then all bets are off. And I believe that the U.S. will and has to do something. Now, this is going to transfer over into the political realm as well. Uh, I mean, it already is. And uh, so we'll um, uh, we'll we'll hear more from President Trump, for example, uh, along the lines of this would never happen if I had been president and so forth. And whereas we don't know for sure, you know, just to be fair, we don't know for sure. But what we do know, what we do know, and I think this is so important and this will uh, bear into the uh, into the campaign. And into what the voters are going to hear and what they're going to what they're going to be thinking about, especially if we begin really trading these kinds of strikes back and forth. And that is that the deterrence, it's not just it's not just deterrence overall, uh, but it is uh, containment, which is part of that. And then there's also some engagement, but the engagement can't be we are going to bend over backwards to try to get you a nuclear deal. And in fact, we're going to bring in John Kerry and John Kerry is going to help make this happen. And we're going to, you know, really, really roll up our sleeves and try to make sure that you get this thing. We're going to really, you know, try to, I mean, and this has been going on forever, right? Even with the Obama administration, for goodness sakes. But it's this kind of stuff. But I will say this, in the previous administration, under the Trump administration, I think there was much more widespread uh, agreement amongst, not just amongst the United States and its own allies or the West, basically, but uh, but those in the Middle East, Middle East uh, states in the Middle East, uh, Saudi Arabia and others, that they understood that the of the threat that Iran really, really is, and this notion of, for lack of a better expression, containment was at the very least. Uh, very, very productive. Iran doesn't care how it makes war. It would seem that it only can. And again, we're talking about the the, the Tehran regime. You know, I, I, I know for a fact that there are so many people in Iran that do not want to follow the regime, but that's because they, they have the uh, stranglehold on the people. We know that. So when I'm talking about Tehran or the Iranian government, I'm talking about the mullahs and the supreme leader, the Ayatollah and, and, and whatever. Um, they're the ones that uh, have, these, uh, have these notions and these designs. I don't think they care how they attack the West or Israel, uh, for example, just that they will. So keeping them from getting a nuclear weapon, that's first and foremost, if they don't already have much of the material to do that. But also, of course, their conventional abilities. And I don't think any of this was ever addressed in the much vaunted, you know, uh, much uh, celebrated Iran nuclear deal that President Trump, I think, quite rightly dumped out of. Because I think that's not the engagement that I think is going to make things better or make things more secure. Okay. Uh, Without some kind of significant, fundamental change uh, in Iran, uh, it, meaning, you know, the, the people make that change uh, in Iran. The, you know, the people can rise up if they ever could uh, do that. Uh, I understand the, the terrible circumstances, but what I mean to say is that why do we engage with Iran to try to get them uh, on some path of monitoring for nuclear weapons and this kind of stuff? It's ridiculous. It's on its, on its face, is ridiculous. It's it's very similar to saying we can let five thousand illegal aliens into the country every day. <laughs> you know, let's it's five thousand. Can't wait. Why can't we just agree on five thousand? I heard one senator talking about this earlier today, saying no, but that's but that's absurd. That's that's ridiculous. You know, I I, I know some comedian once said this, and I don't recall who it was, and I wish I did because I would want to give him credit. Uh, but I some comedian once said. You know, only in America do we try to um, do, do we try to uh, to uh, to put an end to needless death 
by 50%. You know, it's like, you know, it just sounds so silly. You know, I mean, I understand, you know, that's supposed to be, you know, very uh, well, that's, you know, such a noble uh, goal, but you know, let's, let's reduce all needless death. Let's get it as close to zero as as possible. Not just our goal is to cut it by 50%, that kind of stuff. Um, But uh, obviously we don't want to just help Iran ever uh, along those lines, unless there was some fundamental change. But, um, in the previous administration, this is my point. In previous administration, right, the the uh, not only the deterrence was there, but also the containment and the broad agreement. I think in the Middle East overall, that Iran was bad, and doing what what overall was was happening was a good and right course of action. Basically, so folks, Kyle Warren with you. Stay right there. We are coming right back. Monday edition is here. I hope you're ready. Because we've got a great song on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. I said this earlier in the show this morning, but I think that it bears repeating. I just, I just want to say, I just, my position is that I don't care what you think if you throw soup onto the Mona Lisa in the Louvre in Paris. I, I just, I don't want to hear what you have to say after that. Um, but somehow people think that if you do that. That uh, people are going to go, you know, we really got to check out what these people are talking about. I mean, you know, they just threw soup on the Mona Lisa. Of course, it's behind glass, of course. But uh, even so, I still don't, uh, I don't, I don't think I want to know what they have to say. All right, folks. uh, Well, I think we do know what our next guest is going to want to say, though. Uh, Frank Solvato from UndergroundUSA.com and of course the author of the book Nullification is going to join us here in just a few moments but first I just want to say good morning to everybody welcome to the program welcome to everybody listening on AM860 everybody on 930 oh and by the way Uncle Rick I appreciate your message very much um, we weren't able to get to it while Denise was on the air but we will we will uh, ask her about this on tomorrow's program because it will still be relevant so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get your Denise question uh, into Denise tomorrow. Uh, all right. So also welcome to everybody on 930, as I was saying. Welcome to everybody along the GCN network. Thanks to GCN for distributing the program out to our great AM and FM radio affiliates. So wherever you're listening from this morning, it is Monday. It is here, and we got a great week of broadcasting ahead of us. Kyle Warren with you, and we've got Frank Silvato. As I said, good morning, Frank. Mr. Kyle. All right. Well, yes. Happy Monday to you. Uh, But I'll tell you, though, you know, as we all know, this has been a very, very tragic weekend uh, with the three U.S. service members being killed at a base in Jordan, uh, but also some 34 others being injured. Many or some, we understand, with things like traumatic brain injury. And that number may grow, we understand. Well, and and this is the this is the moment of truth. What does the Biden administration do? It, it's one thing to hurl invectives towards your foe, and to you know maybe lob a few cruise missiles and take out a few drones, but we have loss of life now, and traditionally that's an act of war. So what is the response? I know that Iran is is definitely trying to goad the United States into confrontation. Every single thing that they've done um, since October 7th and a little bit before has been provocative towards the United States saying, come on, come on, come on, give it to me, come on. They want it. They want to light the candle in the Middle East pretty pretty badly. Um, That kind of indicates to me that they've got something nuclear going on. But, you know... This is a game of chess, and it's not just regular chess. It's three-tiered chess. 
one a, a, a game where the where the one side in the United States we can play the game we've played the game before but the person sitting in the seat behind the chessboard I don't think they're capable or qualified to be able to respond to this thing uh, with with the tactics necessary to keep from entering into a third world war. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen in response. Well, indeed. And I'm, I'm with you. I think a lot of people have a, a very, uh, they're very uh, you know, concerned about, is it Joe Biden who's going to make these decisions? Is he making the decisions or is there a group that's formulating policy? And if that would be the case, Many in these group in this group, one might think, would have a more pro, for lack of a better term, pro Iran sort of starting point with all of this, and that's that oh, would be very terrifying. Absolutely, Valerie Jarrett was born in Tehran, right? You know, so any response is going to be much softer, or at least it it appears it would be than the response of, let's say, a Donald Trump or a Ronald Reagan or even a George W. Bush, you know, to to what has happened. But make no mistake, we would be justified to take it to the limit because of the loss of life and the maiming of our soldiers. They were directly targeted. You know, That's right. uh, in, in their barracks, by the way. This yeah, was, yeah, I, a direct attack. It wasn't a combat situation at all. You know, so this is a this is a punch in punch in the gut, and they're daring they're daring us to respond, and and it requires something that's very very tactful, but that sends a very strong message. Um, I'd love to be able to see the unleashing of forces to decimate their nuclear program. You know, the people who lost loved ones in this, and who have people who are gravely injured would probably want more of a response than that, and they would be justified in that asking. Right. So now, uh, but, like when you say... Go ahead. But, complete, but completely taking out their nuclear capability, including research, justified. Well, no, I completely agree. And that, that would include, of course, the bunker busters and so forth. We know that they've buried their facilities so very, very deep. But I have a feeling that, you know, the American military knows how to get to that. But it acts, does beg the question, though, because you've got people like Lindsey Graham. They're calling for directed attacks on Iran itself. And then others want to see the response more or less confined to, uh, you know, those who might launch the attack in the in that region, in that other area, other than Iran proper. Uh, do you think it's going to be a, a full out, you know, full frontal attack on Iran? If it is, then we, we've got war. Then we've got the United States in a in a war with a very committed foe. Um, wouldn't mind seeing them take out the hierarchy as far as government is concerned. I, I wouldn't cry if if all of a sudden the mullahs in mask suddenly weren't able to wake up, you know. And the people of Iran wouldn't bo- wouldn't be bothered by that either. Remember what happened just a couple of years ago in the in the color revolution. That's right. You know, they took they took to the street, and we failed to respond and to help them in an in an appropriate way. In my opinion, we should have been behind them one hundred percent. So if if that is the response. Okay, I I can go with that too. But I do think because of what's happening over in Gaza, we should really think about taking out completely their nuclear capability. Well, I I think what you're talking about was very chilling. The idea of they're goading us so much, they think that they have an advantage there or something that they want to come out maybe in in response and feel justified. But Frank Silvato, hold on real quick. We're going to hit the break here. And folks, when we come back, more with Frank Silvato, undergroundusa.com. This is an important discussion. Stay tuned. Everybody, Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back as we continue through this Monday morning edition. We're up with you bright and early, of course. 
and we hope you got some great plans uh, for today. We think it's going to be a great week, a great week of broadcasting as well. And uh, don't forget, 949-822-7959. That's our telephone number, and we're going to open up the telephone lines at the bottom of the hour if you'd like to uh, make a comment or ask a question of our guest, Frank Salvato, from undergroundusa.com and, of course, author of the book, Nullification. And you can also head over to my home website, kylewarrenshow.com, if you'd like to send us a direct message. Simply click on Send Kyle a Direct Message, and you're off and running from there. Well, once again, good morning, Frank. Mr. Kyle. Well, you know, when we were just coming out of the break there, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, the possible responses and so forth. One of the things Iran can do, too, is they can can try to mess with the uh, Straits of Hormuz. They can also, of course, try to activate other terrorist uh, events uh, to occur. Uh, that also might be something that they're they're looking to do and try to justify. And you see, they're effective at it. You know, ju- just by supporting these these many different groups, we're seeing them support Hamas and Hezbollah right now. But if they start expanding their influence with other smaller groups like Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigades and and the remnants of ISIS and and uh, the the other groups who are prominent in the region, you know giving them giving them tasks and marching orders to affect chaos in the region. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be bullets flying at soldiers. It can be economic as well. We saw that the result of economic terrorism on 9-11, where they, you know, aside from the fact that they killed 3,000 plus people and the buildings came down and the Pentagon was hit and there's a hole in Shanksville, the economic chaos that they instituted across the world because of that uh, was was incredible. So if Iran, who's got resources now, thanks to the Biden administration and the fickle West that wants to see them come back into the fold, which will never, ever happen. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a as, non-starter. Yeah. 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 Never happen with the mullahs in charge. The, the whole regime over there is, and, and I dare say, even though it is effective and totalitarian and in control, it's illegitimate because of the way it was started. You know, that, that whole regime is about we are going to move the, the conquest of Islam forward. That is the, in the tenets of Islam. Anybody who has read the Quran and the Hadith understands that Islam, the religion, the ideology is tasked with global domination. The, the Mullahs will move, want to move that forward. Well, I'm, and, I'm gl- they, and, and they feel through the chaos that they can affect through their meddling in, uh, with peace in the region. It's a good starting point. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because that is an aspect here that is different than your standard issue territorial dispute standard issue, uh, you know, conflict, for lack of a better expression, because they're on a mission. I mean, and that's the that's the enemy that you're dealing with. Um, and uh, they they're not going to simply sort of knuckle under because they believe that they have some sort of, you know, lack of a better expression, some sort of holy uh, uh, agenda here in, in some way. Yeah, to not to make light of the situation, to borrow from Jake Elwood, they're they're on a mission from God, <laughs> right? That's, that's right. What, that's what that's what they truly, honestly believe. When they go out and kill three hundred, three thousand, you know, when when they go out and kill in mass numbers, the reason they celebrate in the street is because it is a religious victory for them, and they and they fight with the fervor of of a religious charge. So where Putin wants to see Ukraine back. That's a matter of pride and territory. The people in, in who are devout, and I, this is where I, I wish people would stop using the, the the term radical Islam. There's no radical Islam when it comes to the terrorists or the devout, because the people who want to see this conquest, who who happen to be Muslim, who support this conquest, they're just following the religion to the letter. So that makes them devout. It doesn't make them radical. It makes them devout. So, you know, when we talk about the people who would gladly blow themselves up with an explosive vest, those are devout Muslims. 
and I, the Iranian mullahs are devout in their in their quest. And and when you bring in the nuclear uh, aspect to that, it becomes a let God sort them out kind of a of a mentality. And, and and again, this is it's it's important to understand this kind of stuff because it's not just it because you know for example we hear about well you know we need to inflict enough pain to make this stop and we're conventionally that's right but it seems that you know the mullahs can take a lot more pain because they think they're that you know they're getting points for the pain for some reason. Absolutely, death is a reward. That's the one thing Osama bin Laden wrote. In, in his writings, he goes, you, you fear death. We welcome death because it is the ultimate goal, the ultimate release. We, we want it. We celebrate it. So that's why you'll never win. I mean, he was very straightforward about it, and he believed it. If you, if you read his writings, especially the, uh, the fatwas, there's two fatwas that happened before 9-11. If you read those, you understand they are not scared to die. They they want to figure out how to how to affect that to advance Islam and and affect the most damage. So where where we say well we can't go in there we're going to suffer a lot of casualties they don't care. They they don't care they they celebrate the suicide bomber the night before it's a big party and off you go brother. You know, right. so yeah. so the mentality is different. Now the mullahs understand that that in order for the entire weight of the West not to come down on them very quickly, so that they can make their long mission last, that it has to look right in the in the eyes of the West and in the media. So they need us to attack. Well, indeed, indeed. But uh, even so, this is a chronic issue. I mean, you can try to degrade. This is what the Pentagon or the White House will talk about, right? The degradation of their ability or their their um, their the terrorist groups that they back, their ability to to attack our our service personnel again. But it seems to me that it's it's never over. It, there's it's it's always going to be this chronic thing that you're constantly treating. Until you can steer the masses away from from the religion of Islam, and I know I'm going to get some crap about this, but it's just the truth. Until you can steer the masses away from Islam and make it a very minor religion, which is very hard to do because illiteracy is pretty prevalent in the, in the poor areas of the Middle East, and they get all of their information and all of their news and their knowledge about the world from the mosques. And the mosques over there are devout mosques, which means in in old terms, they're radicalized. They believe it's the great Satan. So we, we do have to go until we can win hearts and minds. We do have to degrade their capability to inflict harm on, on the Western world, including on military on, on military uh, Mm -hmm. locations well you know but with back in the trump administration there seemed to be a better consensus even in the middle east about trying to contain iran because they were you know places like saudi arabia for to, for the most part understood that iran was a was a threat or at the very least the trump administration was able to uh to get that kind of consensus so that iran couldn't spread its hegemony so easily well, he exploited the rift between the Sunni and the Shiite. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about Iran and you're talking about Saudi Arabia, you're talking about Iran being Shiite and Saudi Arabia being Sunni. They don't like each other. They really don't like each other. That's why after 9-11, there was a, a larger lobby um, amongst the think tanks that said, why don't we just let them kill each other and just back out of it? Well, then you had some people who were a little bit more materialistic who said, it's because they've got oil. Right, right. Yeah. You know. And I think back with the Iran-Iraq war, I think Kissinger, if I recall correctly, I think Kissinger said something to the effect of it's a great war as long as nobody wins because they felt like, you know, they're constantly fighting each other and they stay out of everybody else's business, I guess, uh, to a great degree. But this is coming to a head. I mean, this this is, you know, these these deaths and these casualties could be a real turning point you know, in, in where we go from here 
you know, in terms of what's happening in the Middle East. But I tell you what, Frank, hold that thought there real quick. Uh, we're going to come back for a one more segment, of course. So everybody stay right there. Frank Salvato is going to be right back with us. UndergroundUSA.com is the website. And, of course, also, Frank is author of the book Nullification. We'll open up the telephone lines at the bottom of the hour. Kyle Warren with you. Stay right there. through this Monday morning edition, everybody. And if you're up with us bright and early, welcome. If you're just waking up, just getting up, welcome. And we have a lot more to talk about uh, as we move through this Monday edition, folks. 949-822-7959, that's the number. And, of course, Kyle Warren with you. Glad to be with you, of course. And, uh, you know, folks, we've got still have Frank Silvato waiting patiently here. <laughs> he's from undergroundusa.com. Also, he's author of the book Nullification. Once again, good morning, Frank. Mr. Kyle. All right. Well, you know, uh, we there's so much happening, obviously, with the Middle East, but the border dispute uh, between Texas and the Biden administration uh, continues on. Uh, Governor Abbott keeps uh, putting up more of this razor wire. They continue to sort of build this barrier. Uh, what What do you think is the latest on this in terms of uh, where this might be going, uh, you know, confrontation-wise? Well, confrontational-wise, it's all going to be on paper. I don't think we're going to see bullets. I, I really, I really <laughs> don't. There's a lot of people talking about, we're, we're lighting the fuse for a second civil war. Um, that you could use that moniker if you want to, but it's not going to be on a, on a battlefield other than one on paper. Uh, it really has to be a confrontation that's constitutional in nature. You've got 25 governors who are who are fully supporting Abbott in the state of Texas. It is a popular movement that has gained fire on social media. So the Biden administration doesn't even have the support of the American people. In, in what they've been doing, and that's because what they've been doing has been grotesquely unconstitutional. They're not – they're violating the take care clause, and and when you have the minds like Mark Levin and Victor Davis Hanson starting to talk about that violation and the right for impeachment, um, you're getting into some pretty substantive – uh, discussion on the legitimacy of removing people here. Right. Maybe maybe that's the Democrats' game plan going into electing you know, the meat of the election season to not have Biden be the guy. I don't know. But what we do know here is there is a violation of the Take Care Clause, which which in the Constitution, which mandates that the executive branch execute the the signed codified laws of the land that have been legislated and they're not doing that on the southern border well that's right i mean that's a de facto sin of omission you know i'm not i'm actively not going to do my duty on this and that's an act in and of itself that they can point to if they wanted to come up with with an impeachment argument exactly absolutely there's no way to argue against it it's tangible it's right here we can all see it don't have to prove it it's occurring, you know, by and by the number of 10 million, I believe, so far since Biden's taken office. So you can't argue that it's not happening. So there would the trial would be almost I won't say moot, but it's just a presenting of the issue itself because we can all see it. Even even people who like my orcas, he, you know, he can't say that the, that the border's under control anymore. He's right. lied to Congress. So um, until we make a move about something, and it doesn't necessarily have to be impeachment, but the Speaker of the House and the Republican caucus would have to be very uh, cohesive in order to be able to say, all right, then I guess we're not funding X, Y, and Z until you actually execute, do, and, 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 and let us see the results of your actions to close that border. 
And, and the idea that Biden's come out recently saying, I need new legislation to take control of the border. And, <laughs> and I can't believe that the House hasn't moved on this. Talk about gaslighting. <laughs> well, sure, because that's all campaign you know, style stuff that is just designed to say these Republicans, even Karine Jean-Pierre the other day, it's this governor. And it's unfortunate this governor is is doing this. You know, they, they really think that, I guess they think we're that stupid. Well, I, I'm going to toss Mitch McConnell in there because there's no need for a new bill about anything. There Agreed. really isn't. Enforce the laws that are on the books. And this ends at the southern border. So there's no need for new legislation. We shouldn't be talking about compromises to move immigration reform uh, through the halls of Congress. We don't need it. You, you, you want a, um, an exercise in good faith from the left? Take care of the border now and start deporting people who are here illegally, period. Just do it. Then we can sit down and talk about your dreamers. Then we can sit down and talk about how you want to go about this from this point forward. But until then, we're not funding any of the projects that you want to have moved through the House. Not one mm -hmm. until this is taken care of by the enforcement of the laws that are on the books. And quite honestly, in the House, if we just would have performed better last election so that we would have had a comfortable margin of majority in the House, we could have called for a quorum vote and then gaveled out the House to shut it down completely. That's, yeah, very strategic indeed. Well, one, one of the things about the Texas dispute here um, is that there, I think there are forces that really do want to see America start to literally rip itself apart. In fact, there's a Russian lawmaker, you know, this is kind of humorous, but there's a Russian lawmaker who says he wants to help Texas get its independence from the United States. You know, I mean, people really just want to seize on this kind of stuff and because a weaker America, a divided America, in their eyes, is a weak America. Well, and, and this is... This is one of the reasons that, that the solution of nullification is something that, that avoids a shooting war and makes the country stronger. The federal government, our system of government was not designed to have a top-down heavy hand. It just wasn't. It wasn't the way it was created to work. It was a, a labyrinth of checks and balances that saw the federal government pick up the slack in between the authority of the 50 states when they had to interact with one another. Texas has every right in the world to safeguard their citizenry, and right now their citizenry isn't safe. The federal government declined to enforce the federal laws, so Texas has the right to pick up that mantle. It's just the way the Constitution reads. But when you get a, a, a jaded and politicized Senate that isn't, look, isn't looking out for the health and well-being of the state, that's the way this was set up. Our country was supposed to have the House, which presented the people's argument in Washington, D.C., and the Senate, which presented the state's argument in Washington, D.C. No state in the union would say, well, you know, if they don't want to enforce the laws and there's millions of people coming over, uh, we're, we can sign on to that if it wasn't because politics was in control instead of the way the government was supposed to be executed. Every senator from every state would be going, whoa. If you're not going to enforce federal laws, then we can't sign into any of this stuff. Indeed. You know, and, and the Senate would have said no. We, you know, we, we voted overwhelmingly everything lost, so the states have every right to do this. Well, and, if this and if SCOTUS is looking at the Constitution without political eyes, they go all in for the state of Texas. No, I, I agree. That's what I was going to ask, is the idea that, you know, when this does play out, ostensibly the Supreme Court allowed this to continue, uh, you know, to actually lift the ban on cutting the wire until this plays out. But um, uh, in your crystal ball, do you think that the Supreme Court's gonna, uh, going to, uh, after hearing arguments, I don't, I don't see how they could side, you know, uh, or not side with Texas in this. A very, a very unsatisfying answer coming your way. Yeah, they they ruled Obamacare was a tax. That's true. Well, that was John Roberts. That's right. When he yeah sort of kicked it so, in, that, in that vein. You know, so trying to predict what a politicized court will do—that's you know—you're always walking on very, very thin ice. And Roberts has turned into a wild card. 
You never know whether he's going to side with the Constitution or whether he wants to get invited to cocktail parties inside the Beltway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very, very good observation in, indeed. But at least at this very moment, do you think the Biden administration is blinking or are they biding their time uh, in, in order to go in and try to remove some of the stuff? Because they haven't done so, at least as yet. You know, the problem here is, and, and this is the rumblings coming from the border, is that the, the Border Patrol personnel are not going to do it. Interesting. They, they have so far refused to do anything that that is being inferred as a go-ahead-and-start from the Biden administration because even the, the people with boots in the ground for the Border Patrol know it's wrong. They know it's wrong. Oh, sure. And they're tired of being used as rubber stamp um, uh, paper pushers when there's things happening there that affects their family too. So I think if you're going to see a rebellion— it's going to be rank-and-file Border Patrol people saying we're refusing to follow this order. It's unconstitutional. Well, that will be a very interesting day if that if that happens. And I, I think you're right. I think there's not there's a good possibility for that. Frank Silvato, UndergroundUSA.com, author of the book Nullification. Great discussion this morning, sir. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Stay low, my friend. All right, you too. Frank Silvato, everybody. Folks, we are coming right back. Kyle Warren with you. Monday edition continues. We'll talk with Patrick Hyland from the Sports Zone. Hey, thanks, everybody, for checking out the podcast today. We'll see you on the radio, AM860, The Answer, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., Monday through Friday, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. on Saturday mornings. Check out kylewarrenshow.com for more information. Take care out there.